Design Conversations is a podcast series presented by myself, Jeff Fitzpatrick, containing recorded conversations with preeminent Australian designers across a series of design disciplines. And if not designers, then those who have had integral roles in Australian design. The series is aimed at preserving an oral history and an archive of mid-century design undertakings, and to provide an understanding of what it has taken to achieve some of the amazing outcomes in Australian design history. To learn more about the guests and my background, visit designconversations.net. I'm joined today on Design Conversations by a friend and colleague, the preeminent furniture and interior designer, Dario Zurif. Dario was born in Hungary in the 1930s and came to Australia in 1939. He studied interior design at RMIT and and began a career in furniture design in the 50s, going on to produce a memorable catalogue of residential and commercial, commercial furniture over several decades. Dario, welcome to Design Conversations. Good morning. <laughs> Good to see you. Uh, Dario, you've had an extraordinary career and uh, a long career, which is wonderful. But uh, just tell me a little bit about your, uh, your early, uh, early days and just some background, uh, your, your parents and family and, uh, and early influences. Well, my, my travel into design is somewhat convoluted. Um, when I came to Australia in my, with my parents, uh, they were confectioners and they started a confec- uh, confectionery business. Right, yes. So, so from there, that was fine, but we, they happened to acquire a string of shops. So they, right. So one of them became vacant and my father didn't want to have a tenant. So in, actually, I came from Vienna, not Hungary, but never mind. The, um, they'd been interested in ceramics in Vienna. So they thought, oh, we'll open a pottery shop. Now, they, they always came to the conclusion nothing was good enough to sell in the shop. So eventually, they found these little fellas in Moorabbin that could do a little bit. The Boyd brothers, Percival, and all of these guys, and they were all painting plates and things for us. I wish I'd never sold anything. That'd be very valuable now. <laughs> I think Guy, Guy Boyd was amongst that group too, wasn't he? Yeah, Arthur Boyd, Guy Boyd, Percival. Oh, yeah. Guy Boyd used to make ramekins, and they were always crooked. So nobody wanted <laughs> crooked ramic. Anyhow, the story kept on repeating itself. The next shop became available. And they'd also been interested in modern furniture in Vienna. So they thought, oh, well, we'll open a little furniture shop and sell a few little things. It's better than having a tenant. Again, nothing was good enough. Okay. (laughs) So they said, look, we've got space. We'll buy a couple of machines, get a cabinet maker and start making some things for the shop. Oh, gosh, okay. And my mother actually started designing a bit of furniture for it. 
I mean, she she obviously was quite talented, but she she had no formal training. Anyhow, right. this got bigger and bigger and bigger, and a lot of the pieces that are being re shown now were built during that period. Oh However, mm -hmm. what actually then happened was we had a fire. There was a string of arson attacks in the area at that time. And mm -hmm. um, I had a... Whereabouts was... High Street. Whereabouts was High Street's in Kilda. It's in Kilda Road now. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I... Uh, my father and I had a disagreement of what, how we should proceed, and it left me no alternative but to leave the family business and go into private practice. Right, okay. Uh, just backtracking a little bit, when I was started working as, in the chocolate factory, <clears throat> a knowledge of design seemed to be some <clears throat> necessary when we started making furniture. So I, I went up to RMIT for six years at night to get my qualifications and went right. on there. Right, okay. Well, that's interesting. So uh, I must apologise for uh, saying you that you were Hungarian and not Viennese, uh, but I, I actually got that information from an article written by Stephen Crafty several years ago that <laughs> that uh, yeah, nominated was, you was... Yes. Stephen's been here once or twice over the years. Right, okay. So my apologies. So, um, no matter about uh, that. <laughs> okay, then, mate. So part-time study, that would have been pretty tough at, uh, uh, at the time, I would imagine, and you obviously showed persistence in, the, in completing your studies, which is great. Um, but uh, interesting, that was at uh, was at the Royal Melbourne Technical College at that time. Yes, it, it was. Yes, and the the main lecturer there, I don't know, if you remember Harold Strawn? Oh, I do indeed. Yes, he was from uh, uh, Smart McCutcheon. Yes, I I remember visiting the studio down in St Kilda Road, near opposite the Shrine. I think it might have been, and Harold was resplendent in a very voluminous grey dust coat <laughs> but <laughs> he was a lovely man mm. well I, I think he just concentrated on lecturing the uh, night students right and, yes. and we enjoyed his lectures a lot mm -hmm. so um, yeah because it was interesting at that stage I think there were only a couple of paths into uh, into design and one was industrial design, uh, which is more based in the art school, and the other was interior design. And both of them, of course, uh, offered training in furniture design. Well, when I started, uh, the whole thing was very sketchy. We finished, we yeah. started off in the art school. Right, yep. And uh, there was very little interior stuff in those very early years, and then we gradually got more and more into the design side of things. Right, okay. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yes, it it was, uh, I think, developing pretty much um, uh, uh, or developed as it was travelling along and training people. Uh, it was um, mutating and, uh, and, <clears throat> and recreating itself.
itself several times over, I think. But Harold Strawn was um, um, uh, <clears throat> a terrific uh, lecturer and, um, yeah, very passionate about the, um, the whole process, I think. The whole thing was quite interesting. When we first started, interior design or decoration was very trendy. So there may, it was about 50 or 60 in the class. Gosh, but, yes. But by the time we finished, there were six. <laughs> that sounds about right. It was a very high attrition rate. <laughs> uh, one of the people that qualified with me was... Um, she was Joan Brimage, or she finished up being Joan Stewart. Oh, Joan, yes, I know Joan, yes, yes. Uh, she finished up lecturer of a College of Decoration. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, and, um, yes, yeah, she was uh, later on, she was on council with the, uh, the DIA for a little while, the Design Institute of Australia, and um, I do remember her. She was very much associated with the... the uh, uh, School of Interior Decoration, down in the old William Anglis building, I think, in um, William Street. Yeah, that's right. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I uh, had Joan, one of the most embarrassing. She asked me to come and give a lecture once. Right, yep. And I'd never given a lecture before. So <laughs> okay. trepidation, I sit lined up. And in the front row was a kid who was the daughter of very close friends. And that really right. threw me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. But that, that's interesting that uh, uh, from 50, a class of 50 down to six graduates was a very uh, significant drop-off. But uh, yeah. that was, I think, sort of par for the course in those days. Actually, Do you one, remember any? One of the guys oh. that did qualify in that small group went on to have quite a large practice. Um, and for the life of me, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he had quite a big uh, firm. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, well, that's some of them. Hopefully. One of the guys went to uh, Canberra, I think. Uh, but uh, the other, uh, well, two or three others, I don't know what happened to them. Yeah. I think, was, was Jack Crow part of that group? Does that um, name ring a bell? Oh, Jack Crow uh, wasn't one of the students, no. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, uh, Jack uh, was part of the, uh, the society and uh, yes. I, I did get to know him. And, in fact, I think he just lived round the corner in Williams Road. Right, okay. But, I'm, uh, again, because... I'm talking 40, mm. 50 years ago, 60 years ago. It's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Isn't it? I know. Well, I think that uh, now Jack might have even done uh, industrial design with Ted Walsley and uh, Clem Meadmore. Um, and because Jack and uh, Ted uh, actually started up Stuart Furniture. That's, in, that's uh, right. In, yes, I remember that. It, yes. Yes. And possibly because they were both industrial designers rather than studying interior design and they were the day students rather than the night students, you may not have uh, encountered them particularly. I, I wouldn't have had no contact with the day students at all. Yes, yeah, no, that, that's right. We but 
We always said the night students did a lot more work than the day students. <laughs> that could possibly have been the case. But it's interesting because I think part of uh, your other cohort may have been Bill and Kira the Leave. Not, not as students. but uh, Not as, a student, okay. But as contemporaries in the society. Oh, okay, then fine. I, I knew, I knew Con- quite well. Yes, yes, because it was interesting that they went on because they set up an interior shop in High Street, I think. Um, the corner of Toronto Road. That's right, and uh, they were starting to stock um, ceramic tops and uh, pottery pieces uh, by the Boyds, I believe. Really? That I did. Yeah. Know. That I know. <laughs> yeah, I think that they had some Clem Meadmore table bases, coffee table bases, and they would commission um, uh, ceramicists and uh, to uh, produce um, <coughs> tops so that these pieces could be used outdoors. But uh, it, it wasn't, of course, their mainstay. So you, you studied, uh, I guess you studied interior design um, and furniture design as, a, as an adjunct to that. Well, it was sort of... A progression through the, the various departments. <laughs> okay. Did you ever get into the workshop or do any hands-on stuff? No, no. I've got two left hands. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, um, uh, yeah. But because I, I obviously spend a lot of time in the workshop. Yes. Uh, I do that. learned a lot of technical skills. That, right. that finished up being absolutely invaluable uh, right. on, on the drawing board uh, yep. because, yep. Uh, uh, you know, some of the tradesmen would say, oh, you, you can't do that. And I said, well, if you did this and you did this, you could. And this background uh, was invaluable from a design point of view. Oh, okay. That, well, that's intriguing. And uh, uh, I know that uh, years later I, uh, I uh, studied interior design uh, in the 60s um, at RMIT and uh, th- I was a full-time student. So we had um, uh, day classes and we spent uh, a fair amount of time um, in the woodworking school and, the, you know, doing hands-on um, uh production pieces for furniture. So um, that, no, uh, I, but that's... I, I never had the benefit of that. But having had the factory, and we also uh, were blessed, I suppose, uh, managed to employ highly skilled tradesmen. That right. Did, okay. That really knew what they were doing. And uh, Yes, yes. So, so how, did the, how did the range develop, Dario? What sort of uh, furniture, what market did you aim at, the residential and domestic it was, market? It was, uh, all, all residential. And, right, all, okay. All, and all, all custom built. There was no range produced. Okay, well, that's interesting. Yes, of course. Um, so... Uh, <clears throat> You would uh, you would work on commissions uh, on, a, on a continuing basis, I guess. Yes. Well, that's exactly right. Yes. 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 And uh, I notice from time to time that there are still pieces that are appearing on the market. <laughs> that in itself is interesting. They're coming on all the time now, but half really? half the pieces you see, I didn't do. 
Okay, what tell, what's the story behind that? I guess what's, I don't know. I think the name is quite a good marketing tool. Yes, obviously. You'll, you'll see that, that sort of thing quite often in real estate ads. Yes. And in auction uh, notices. Yes. Gosh, yes. So, so for instance, um, Joel's are just round the corner and they have a big furniture sale occasionally and they have a glossy magazine for the auction, and they have this dining room suite on the front page, on the front cover, attributed to me. And oh I had, gosh! And I hadn't done it, so <laughs> I, I went in and told them, and they were quite apologetic. And this sort of thing is happening constantly. Right. Okay. Yes. Anyhow, uh, it doesn't really matter, but it. it it's it's not right, but it is occurring a lot. Yeah, I, I, I've heard I've had the same conversation. I think with Mary Featherston about Grant Featherston's work, and um, you know, there's a there's a huge market in it, and it's highly valuable, uh, like Zura Furniture is at these days. Um, and suppose I guess people get a little carried away and uh, and exaggerate the, uh, <clears throat> the the process a little along the way. Incidentally, speaking of them, when we had the start of the furniture shop, yes. we were actually selling some Feverston furniture because we knew them. They, and I was down at their factory once. That was at Emerson's or something in South Melbourne. They had their factory. Right, yep. So I, 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 I wasn't close to them, but I knew them. And we were selling some of their pieces in the furniture shop when we first opened it. Oh, okay. Well, that's sort of like the the mould of the contour chairs, or yes, um, yes, 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 yeah. No, well, that's that's interesting because um, <clears throat> the uh, the furniture had a revival uh, back in the, uh, the the late eighties, I guess, when Gordon Mather. Um, Opened a, he took on the license to have uh, Grant and Mary's furniture produced and uh, he was, was selling South, it, I think. He was in South Melbourne also, I think. That's right, in uh, Clarendon Street in South Melbourne. Yes. And uh, he, um, <clears throat> he was uh, very good, very uh, smart um, uh, retailer and marketer and uh, had a very good eye, I think. Um, but um, yes, that was a um, uh, an interesting uh, revival. But I hadn't realised that you had been that you had sold uh, uh, the Featherston furniture uh, in your shop. Well, that's that's quite uh, quite a. This was very early days. Yes, yes. Well, <clears throat> I suppose all these uh, these early days back in uh, uh, the late forties and fifties and so forth. Uh, saw a, a reasonable amount of activity come together in the uh, in the design community, and I know that there was uh, the formation of that Society of Designers for Industry. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that that was people like uh, Jimmy Horton James and uh, Ron Rosenfeld um, and and others uh, started uh, that with Fred Ward and. Uh, and I think, um, oh, Fred, Fred Ward was well, was well known. 
Yes, yes. Oh, and there was, he, um, there was another guy who was teaching at RMIT and they had a shop in Chapel Street. Um, the, the name's gone. Right, okay. Um, <clears throat> but um, now I'm trying to, not Ron Opie, I suppose. Yes. Yes, yeah. No, Ron, I think he was uh, lecturing at, at RMIT for a while. He was one of my lecturers, actually. He worked under John Duncan. Well, he was head of the and, department, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. John was, and um, yeah, a lovely guy. But uh, no, so that whole uh, <clears throat> that whole um, uh, timing uh, around the uh, the Society of Designers for Industry, and of course, that eventually became the Industrial Design Institute of Australia in about 1958, and this is when Ron. Rosenfeld <clears throat> uh, became the president, and uh, he'd been um, uh, working with uh, Rosenfeld Gradian um, uh, for people like Vulcan and uh, and others uh, as an industrial designer. But uh, Ron left a quite an extraordinary legacy, I think, uh, with all the work that he put into uh, the professional uh, formation or the formation of a professional body for designers, but. There was another one, another body, I think, Interior Designers Association of Australia, that I think we you were an early member with Jack Crow uh, and uh, and others. Do you recall this at all, Dario? I think it was those days that I met Bill Lilleve and Tim. Yeah, that's that's right. They were part of that association too, I think. But my memory's getting and, a bit hazy there. Sure. No, well, what happened, I think, is that... Uh, the original Society of Designers for Industry was pretty much focused on industrial design and they wanted it to be, you know, industrial design rather than textile and the other uh, adjunct uh, disciplines. Um, but um, uh, eventually, so that's why I think the Interior Designers Association, I think, started maybe as a student body, but then um, became a professional body, but it actually merged into the Society of Designers for Industry under the uh, the uh, overall title of Industrial Design Institute of Australia in about there, 1958. There was a bit but, of friction at that stage because the uh, the uh, the decorators society or who whatever they were called wanted to be associated, and the designers yes. didn't want them there because they were, had no qualifications. Right, <laughs> I, I I think that uh, friction. Lasted for quite a few decades, actually, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because they set up the uh, the CIDA, Society of Interior Designers of Australia or Association, and um, CIDA ran in uh, in parallel, and um, they had very big, resplendent functions and uh, dinners and so on, and exhibitions, and uh, uh, anyhow, eventually. Uh, that uh, that society folded into the DIA in, uh, in about the mid-90s, along with the Textile Designers Association. So it all eventually became one body. But I understood those frictions that, uh, that uh, existed at the time. And um, uh, the worst thing you could do uh, was call an interior designer an interior decorator. But uh, fortunately, <laughs> yeah. I think... Uh, that that's all changed now, and there are uh, interior design studios that uh, 
that engage and employ interior decorators who are highly specialised in, uh, I suppose, in textiles and uh, and finishes. So um, yeah, it's uh, um, that's that's uh, something of the past, I think. There, Dario. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, that was that was it. So uh, the family, uh, the family, or wasn't the family business that your um, your furniture business uh, continued to operate. Where were you based in the at this stage when you were? It, it was in High, well, it was called High Street St Kilda, but it's St Kilda Road now. It's down right. Near, it's down near Inkerman Street. Uh, oh, okay, right, okay. Um, um, yes, there was a uh, another furniture group called Map um, Furniture Manufacturers of Australian uh, Australian products. Uh, that was uh, in that same um, same location on the, um, I think it would have been the east side of uh, St Gilda Road. No, I, but, I, I, uh, I didn't know them. No, no, that was Chris Connell and Raoul, um, oh, I've forgotten Raoul's other name, but, um, uh, yeah, that uh, just prompted me to think of that in terms of, uh, of its, its location. So... <clears throat> Um, how how long did that uh, that uh, location last for you, Daria? Oh, time is not a good one of my good fact facilities. But, um, <laughs> after the the fire, uh, my father continued the business for a, a limited time, but ultimately yes. he had to close it down because all the things that had been predicted by the solicitors and the accountants came to think. He wanted to, he, he had an emotional attachment to this building and uh, right. he wanted to repair it and uh, so on. And we could have earned as much money in a tin shed down the back alley. <laughs> yes. And... Uh, by then I'd had a family and didn't want to tie myself up with mortgages for the rest of my life repairing a building that made no sense. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I can imagine that. Um, uh, <clears throat> so that uh, that eventually uh, closed down. And um, so what did you move on to after that? Well, I, I just started a, a design and practice from home. And right, okay. So uh, I was living in Glen Waverley at the time. Yeah. But the, the the name had become reasonably prominent because of the furniture we'd made in, right. in, yep. in the family business. So there was a, a constant trickle of clients coming for consultancy work. Right. Okay. So this was uh, interior design that you're practicing and supplementing with, uh, uh, you know, customized furniture pieces. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Um, and then one of the advantages of having gone into private practice like that was when I was in the family business and we were doing custom built work, we were working in a very narrow. Uh, area, admittedly right. top quality custom built furniture. But once I moved into private practice, 
I could start working on shops, I could start working on offices, I could start working on hotels, uh, which just wasn't possible within the structure of a family business. And uh, I was delighted with that, of course. Yes, yes. So what were some of your uh, your favourite outcomes in terms of projects? Um, well, one of my most long-running um, clients was a, a chap called McGorran, mm-hmm. uh, who had... Who ha- he actually was a grazier, but right. Um, he 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 got me to he owned a Morwell Hotel. Okay, yeah, and that and he got me to fix that up. From Morwell, he went to he also had one in Terrelgan, so he got me to fix the Terrelgan Hotel up. Right. Okay. From there, he came to Melbourne and he built this from they, they were they, they were refurbishment jobs, but in, right. But the next thing he did was built a a, a new motel in Rathdown Street, Carlton. Oh, which right. Was, which was called the Rathdown, and we worked on that from the ground up, which was good. Unfortunately, that's been sold now in its apartments now. He also, round the corner, owned the downtowner in Ligon Street. Oh, yes, yes. And, uh, we, we did some maintenance work on that. And then finally, he bought this big hotel in Altona. Right, okay. Um, and that, that was interesting insofar as it was a very big hotel in Miller's Road. Right. And they worked out they were earning about all their income from about 5% of the building. Oh, mm-hmm. So he, he said, I want to knock this down and build a small hotel. Well, the liquor licensee court had never heard of such a silly thing, knocking down a, a big hotel to build a little one. <laughs> okay, and yes. That battle last phrase. Anyhow, he got a permit and he did it, and I worked with that on that place for 20 years. Gosh, yes. But the benefit of the process was on the balance of the land that wasn't necessary, they built a whole shopping centre. Gosh, <laughs> so he was uh, had a lot of foresight then. Yeah. Oh, apart from that, though, just very, very nice people to work with. But having a twenty-year yes. association was also a pleasure. Yes. No, that's a um, <clears throat> uh, great to have uh, such uh, uh, loyal uh, and continuing clients. Uh, I would think, Dario. That's uh, that's. Uh, well, and they always say that good design depends on having a good client. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's true. Yes, yes. Anyhow, so, uh, um, yeah. Other interesting projects, um, two very interesting ones were two synagogues I worked on. Okay, yeah. Um, the first Where were they located? Mm. There was, uh, there's a big one in Alma Road. 
Right. Um, which was very modern and, uh, well, very gratifying to work on. Yes, great. Then one of my very orthodox religious clients said to me, have, have you had any experience designing synagogues? I said, yeah, there's, there's a, I've just done this big interesting one in Alma Road. Because he was so orthodox, he, would, he wouldn't go <laughs> and visit. <laughs> but he gave me the job anyhow. Right. And uh, I, I found working on, uh, on such a conservative building very, very stimulating. Whereabouts is that located? Yeah, that's in Ripon Lee. Ripon Lee, okay, yeah. And uh, obviously still um, <clears throat> still operating and yes, um, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh that's that's great. Well that's a that's a, a very diverse commission, I would guess, from uh, hotels oh, to synagogues. The two are chalk and cheese. <laughs> I can uh, I can well imagine. So um, um and, and you were pleased with the outcomes of uh both yeah, those yeah, uh, yeah, projects, I, I, yeah. Uh, I got a lot of uh, good feelings about those. Oh, that's that's terrific! Yeah, yeah. So, tell me, you're um, you're uh, currently retired, or do you still dabble a little? Very little, very little. <laughs> An in-law <laughs> okay. wanted a dining table. I drew that, but basically, I've I'm not doing anything at the moment. Yes, yeah. Well, I, I noticed in just doing a little bit of background research for our conversation today that um, there was a, <clears throat> a photograph, I think, in the Sydney Morning Herald um, where you had your um, your drafting machine set up on your drawing board, and I thought, gosh, um, uh, nice to see people still using those manual skills. Well, I tell you what, that was really funny. I had a, I had a reasonably good photocopier here. Yes. So, but, but I needed the servers, so... I called the service guy down to look at it and he, he came to the office door and he stopped. And I said, what's wrong? He said, I haven't seen a drawing board in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly right. <laughs> and then he said, yeah, I, I could fix this for you, but it's going to cost $800 to fix it. Right. Well, I can go down to Officeworks and buy one for 40 or 50 dollars so yep <laughs> that's what i did <laughs> the other problem is for the practice here i you know those big osa plan printers the plan printers yes yes yep big you know huge anyhow they are, take a lot of floor space when I, I i rang up and said i want to buy one and the guy said about how many prints would you do a week? Oh, I said, I might do three or four. And he said, well, you don't need the printer. <laughs> it was an expensive bit of equipment, but the convenience of having it was just amazing. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, anyhow, was... the end of that machine was when I wasn't working anymore, I wanted to get rid of this printer because it was huge. Yeah. I finished up having to pay someone to take it away. 
Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> Un- unfortunately, um, you know, it, it seems to be um, fairly much the norm these days, Dario, although I am delighted to see there does seem to be a movement um, about um, focusing on uh, the repair rather than replacement of all sorts of objects that people are, are feeling a little guilty about the um uh, the obsolescence and the discarding of uh, perfectly uh, well, fine the tru- equipment. The trouble with that was every everybody's working digitally now, and of course, yes. And this this was useless for that. Yes, yes, no. I oh, know they they were quite uh, significant investments. So those machines, but uh, yeah, I suppose you really needed to get a fair amount of throughput to uh, to justify it, but. <laughs> I must. Uh, and it was. I, I never got into CAD. No, no. Um, well, I think uh, you and I are a generation that uh, that that passed us by a little bit, and um, yeah, <clears throat> it's um, uh, not a regret, but uh, yes, it's uh, uh, something that's uh, uh, of a different time. But um, so, tell me. Um, um, it's been great to speak this morning, and I've really enjoyed uh, finding out a little bit more um, uh, about your uh, your background and your career. And uh, a rather stock question, but um, uh, what advice would you offer young designers these days, uh, starting out, or even to your younger self? Oh, that's a tough one. It is a tough one. I know. <laughs> Save the best till last. Um, <laughs> because... What should I say? Well, firstly, you have to be very enthusiastic. Yep, I would agree and with that. I think you've got to be persistent. Yep. And uh, I've been so working in such a solitary way for so long that um, I don't know how you would go about it, working, I suppose, the old-fashioned way of working through architectural offices would be uh, good. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, Maybe through some retail outlets could be a source of employment. Um, Yes, Yeah, a lot. A lot of the bigger furniture stores claim they've got designers on their staff. So I presume that's uh, that, that's that's one uh, entrance into the thing. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and if you if you happen to, well, I suppose some of the big builders may employ designers now. Uh, I think that is the case, Dario. So that uh, I think there are still opportunities, but um, it's interesting that um, uh, design training tends to give you a fairly uh, <clears throat> good opportunity to work across a, a wide range of uh, of activities. Um, uh, because I think uh, design thinking is uh, is a particular discipline that um, uh, enables you to. Um, to work fairly readily um, in uh, in all sorts of fields, not uh, not just on uh, on uh, 
a, a screen or a drawing board, but uh, just the the thinking processes are um, these days uh, <clears throat> uh, sought after, which is uh, encouraging that after all these years, there's a, a recognition of. Um, yeah, the uh, areas of, you the areas you could finish up with are quite. Uh, diverse like one of my projects was designing the interior for a conflict management center oh gosh okay yep uh, that was in collins street and that was interesting too because you had to analyze how the consultants were actually operating like they needed yes. conference rooms and they needed breakout rooms and administrative rooms and there was it was Quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's a that's a really interesting observation. And of course, um, <clears throat> you and I know that uh, you know, um, uh, with our sort of circle of friends, that uh, there are uh, designers. And I'm thinking now of Rob Pataki and his daughter Michelle. And Michelle uh, has um, moved on from uh, heading up the studio at Chevello's to. Um, Working with rather oh, large banking well, corporations is another area for. But anyhow, <clears throat> Daria, look, I, I've really enjoyed the conversation this morning. Thank you so much for uh, for chatting and for giving us some uh, background to uh, a rather illustrious career and uh, and very diverse and uh, and successful. It's been uh, been lovely to talk to you th today. Okay, and likewise, it's it's been interesting to rehash old stories. <laughs> Indeed, Dario. All, All right. right. Well, we'll, we'll say goodbye. Take care.